calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You are listening to episode 13 of Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 25 Diurnia System, 2358, July 19th. Underway watches sound like they should be easy, and they are, taken a few at a time. But when they go day after day, week after week, they get a little dizzying. It takes some getting used to, and I was out of practice. When my tablet bipped me awake at 0500, I was very disoriented. It was dark, except for the light my tablet gave off, and I had a pain in my lower ribs. Oh yeah, watch. I grumbled to myself. At least I didn't have to worry about falling on the deck from an upper bunk or scrubbing my knee on the deck from a lower. It was almost civilized to sit up in a normal-height bunk and place my feet on the deck. Of course, when I stood up, I banged my knee on the visitor's chair, and when I recoiled from that, I managed to bash my hip in the corner of the pull-down desk, which I'd neglected to push back up. Still, having a twelve-stand period off watch let me get a good meal and gave my gut a chance to recover. I went into the head and checked for bruises in the mirror, Nothing showed, but the lower rib was still pretty tender. Sighing, I got into the shower and let the water sluice the sleepy slime away. I was looking at six on, six off, six on, and then Burnside would relieve me. I hoped I wouldn't be as easy a mark again. It only took a tick or two to dry off, skinny into a fresh ship suit, and head for the mess deck. I was anxious to see what they'd done. I noticed the changes well before I got down to the mess deck. The ladder rails had all been cleaned, and the passageways from crew quarters all the way to the mess deck had been freshly cleaned and the metalwork polished. There were places where the deck was worn and the paint was scuffed, but all in all, Billy looked as good as I'd ever seen. It felt good just walking along and not having grit under the soles of my ship boots. The mess deck was pristine. Every table and chair had been cleaned, every surface wiped down, and every bit of metal gleamed in the subdued nighttime light cycle. I went to the big coffee urns and admired the polishing effort that had gone into every bit of filigree and angle of stainless steel on the counter. I pulled a fresh cup and stuck my head into the galley, where Mr. Voorhees was working with the two messmates. My congratulations, Mr. Voorhees. 
Looks like things went well last night. The mess deck looks amazing, I called. Penny and Karen smiled and blushed as Mr. Voorhees answered. These two organized it all. It was a wonder to behold. I bet we had a dozen people here helping out, Sar. He picked up a side towel and carried it with him, wiping the flour from his hands as he stepped out into the mess deck to talk to me. We had a little bit of trouble, he said softly, once he was clear of the galley. Nothing serious, just the normal troublemakers trying to disrupt. It didn't get beyond some catcalling and the odd soggy sponge, Sar. But I thought you'd like to know. Thanks, John. On balance, was it worth the effort? I asked. He eyed the mess deck, scanning around from table to table and across the coffee urns and steam tables. Yes, sir? Yes, it was. I don't think I've seen this place look this good in the stanier and a half I've been aboard. He looked at me and nodded. I'll tell you something else, sir. They, and he nodded back toward the galley, and all their friends did darn well with the hazing and such. I don't think it took us more than a stand to pull it all together. The biggest problem was not enough cleaning gear to go around. We had engineers, deck, steward division people, all pulling together here. The operative phrase there being pulling together, I take it, I asked him. I saw her. I've been around a lot of ships. This is the only one that scared me. But I'm beginning to think it's going to be okay, sir. He looked a little abashed, and I realized that this spec one was probably older than my father. Pardon my saying so, sir. Thanks for letting me know, John, I told him. Keep an eye on it, but I think we may be turning a corner. I saw her, he said with a smile, and thanks again. I toasted him with my coffee mug and headed up to the bridge. Betts had the helm, and Ulan Nart was curled up at the auxiliary console, reading something on her tablet. Arletta gave me a warm smile as I clambered up the ladder to the bridge. How was it? I asked. Nothing outrageous. Quiet night after the party on the mess deck wound down. I thought I was going to have to send the shore patrol. I looked at her hard to see if she was kidding me. She was, and snickered a little. I slipped in around 21.30 on my way to work out, she said. Aponis and Mosler were standing in the passageway outside the mess deck, doing their best to sneer at anybody who came by. She grinned. Do you know how hard it is to sneer at somebody that's ignoring you? She asked. I chuckled. I can only imagine. Is it still looking good down there? She asked. Yes, I reassured her. I stopped by to congratulate Mr. Voorhees and his crew on a job well done. I was half afraid I'd find it trashed. Ula made a few passes through, but I followed your lead and suggested that she sit up here with us and study instead of going down there alone in the dark. Juliet climbed up onto the bridge at that point, putting an end to the conversation, and we all proceeded to get the watch changed over. When we had the bridge to ourselves, Juliet asked me, Are you okay, sir? Oh, yes, thank you for asking, Miss Jackson, I said. I had dinner in the wardroom and then called it an early night and got a good night's sleep. I paused to kick the system's backups on and then asked, So, did you have fun at the party last night? She grinned a little and a yawn took her. Sorry, sir, she said, covering her mouth, but yes, we got almost everybody who wasn't on watch to help. We had people working in the passageways, scraping off the tables and polishing the metalwork. They piped in music and we were dancing in the aisles. It really was a party. I don't remember ever having that much fun with this group, she added. Where's Miss Dang this morning, I asked. Oh, she's going to eat before she relieves me, sir. More efficient, she said. I nodded and finished my watch checklists as Miss Kramer brought my breakfast tray. Thank you, Miss Kramer, I told her with a smile. She blushed, nodded, and then scampered off the bridge. Juliet snickered, but I pretended not to hear as I settled into my breakfast. It was good, and the portions were a bit larger than normal. 
Before I'd finished, Charlotte clambered up to relieve Juliet. Juliet went down for breakfast, and then Charlotte turned to me with big eyes and asked breathlessly, So what do you think of the Mestex, are? It's amazing, really, I assured her as I finished off my toast, washing it down with coffee. We had such fun, she gushed. She proceeded to give me a very complete recap of the evening's festivities, and I really wasn't listening to it all, I confess, until she got to the part where she said, And so I suspect we'll have a few more people join us on the bridge to study. Excuse me, Miss Deng, I interrupted. Yes, sir. Join us on the bridge to study, I asked. Oh, yes, sir. We all got to talking last night about trying to make ratings and finding time to study and all. Juliet and I talked about what a great help you were, sir, so a few more people will probably come up. Her voice tapered off. That's not really a good idea, is it, sir? No, Miss Dang, it's not, I assured her. Part of the reason that you cleaned up the mess deck was so you'd be able to sit down there when you're not on watch. Yes, but you're up here, sir. And what has any of this to do with me, Miss Dang? I asked, almost afraid of the answer. Well, you're the training officer, sir, and, and you have a way of explaining things that really helps, she said, playing the flattery card without any self-consciousness or hesitation. I thought about it for a while and then sighed. I'm sorry, Charlotte, but we can't have a lot of extra people here on the bridge. It's supposed to be a working space, not a study hall. She looked disappointed. So I relented. If you'll have people meet on the mess deck, I'll come down and answer questions for a stand or two in the afternoon when we're not on watch. How's that? I asked. The expression on her face said, Night in shining armor. But my gut was saying, Please don't hit me again. Besides, I pointed out, with enough people studying in the same place, you can get help from each other. This was apparently not an idea she'd actually had before, and I could see her working through it in her head. She eventually shrugged, and that seemed to be that. Juliet returned from breakfast with three fresh coffees, and we settled in for another watch. Chapter 26 Diurnia System 2358, July 19th. When Burnside came to relieve the watch at midnight, he was coming off his 24. He hadn't been on watch since Arletta had relieved him the previous night. I eyed him warily as he climbed the ladder to the bridge, and he actually had the nerve to smile at my wariness. Come, come, Mr. Wong, he said. Discipline administered and gone. Lessons learned need no repetition, right? He said softly. I forced myself not to glare at him as he approached to take the watch. He'd have to work much harder to get in striking range of me, and he wouldn't be taking me unaware again. She was on course and on target, I told him somewhat stiffly, standing up from the watchstander's chair. No incidents or actions. Standing orders are unchanged. You may relieve the watch, Mr. Burnside. Yeah, fine, he said, and flopped bonelessly into the console's chair. You really need to loosen up a bit, Ishmael, he said, smirking at me. With all the honeys you got hanging on you right now, I'm surprised you haven't started a rotation for your stateroom. Juliet was just leaving the bridge, and I could see her color rise, but I just shrugged. I don't screw with crew, I told him, and walked across the bridge to the ladder. That's a shame, he shouted, so I could hear him as I walked down. That dang is one hot little hoochie. I was glad that Juliet was ahead of me on the ladder, and I could keep her moving downward. Her face and neck, already red, went to scarlet as she got mad. She started to turn and head back up the ladder, but I had my hands on both rails, and she'd have had to go through me to get to the bridge. Words, Juliet. Just words. Hateful, ignorant, spiteful though they may be. Just words, I told her. He can't say that stuff, she protested. He can, 
And he did, I pointed out. But you don't need to go down at that level. He's looking to goad me into fighting back so he has some excuse to haul me up on charges. If he can't get me, he'd be happy to take you. He's, she started to say, he's the first mate, I said calmly. It behooves us to remember that and to treat the office with respect. She looked at me like I stabbed her. I know, I told her, but I'm not that kind of person. I don't think you are either. She stared at me for another few heartbeats, and the tension slumped out of her. This is not fair, Sar, she said. Fair is a weak term, I said. There's a better construct for this situation, I think. I waited for her to bite, and finally she said, Which is? I continued down the ladder, forcing her to step off the bottom step. She turned and frowned at me. On my old ship, the Lois McKendrick, we had a saying. Trust Lois, I told her. Sar, you did pass your psych eval, right? she asked. Barely, I admitted. They were concerned that I was too sane to be an officer at first, but I convinced them that I was psychotic enough. Trust the ship? she asked. Well, not exactly the ship, I said. See, everybody on the Lois had a kind of belief in the ship's spirit. It's puka. So we believed in the spirit of the ship, which, taken as an abstract, is like saying you believe in fairies. In reality, we believed in each other. We always knew that somebody on the ship would have whatever it was we needed to take care of, whatever problem we faced, and that when the time came, that person would do whatever needed doing. It's puka, she said in disbelief. She had the most incredulous look on her face, like she just heard some fantastical story and wanted it to be real. Wasn't that risky? she asked. I shrugged one shoulder. Maybe. But the key element there was that we all trusted Lois. Keep in mind that when the time came, you needed to do your part, and often your part meant getting off your butt and going to make something happen. Like cleaning the mess deck? she asked. Yes, precisely, I agreed. I changed algae matrices in the environmental section on my off-watches. I helped to make sludge cakes, I told her. Ew, wasn't that nasty, she asked. I shrugged again. Well, not really. Smelly at times, sure, but it needed doing. With the right company, even dirty work, like cleaning the mess deck, can be fun. You're not saying trust Billy, are you, Sar? she asked. That stopped me cold. Could I trust Billy? She saw the indecision in my eyes, and I had to be honest. I don't know, Juliet. My training and experience says yes, but given what I know about what's happening on this ship, I have to confess the idea never entered my mind until you just suggested it. Sar, are you sure you passed your psychophel? Yes, I said with a smile. Let me think about the trusting Billy part. There is a terrible power in belief. I looked at her for a moment, thinking hard. Have you ever heard of a South Coast shaman? I don't get out much, Sar, she said, shaking her head. Never mind, I told her with a small smile. Sar, you're a little spooky at times, she said diffidently. I'm improving then, Miss Jackson, I told her. I used to be really spooky at times. I haven't known you that long, Sar. May I reserve judgment? Yes, Miss Jackson, you may reserve judgment, I chuckled. I turned and headed down the passage. Good night, Miss Jackson, I told her. Good night, sir, and watch out for Billy, she said. I was still chuckling as I let myself into the stateroom. 
On a whim, I dug into the bottom of my grav trunk and pulled out a small cloth bag. I tossed it onto my bunk while I stripped down to my ship tee and boxers. I was starting my 24 stands off, and that meant I could sleep in if I wanted. After the last watch cycle, I was ready for good night's sleep, and I crawled gratefully into my bunk to start the first stages of what felt like might turn into a 12-stand nap. Before I settled, I opened the bag and pulled out six individual bundles of cloth tied off with string. I unwrapped and examined each one, weighing it in my hand for a moment before carefully rewrapping each and retying the string. I put them all back in the bag and slipped the bag under my pillow rather than get up again. It was one of those perfect times. The temperature was perfect. The sheets were cool and crisp on my skin, but warmed as I felt the tension drain away from my body. I rolled up onto my side, glanced at the chrono glowing on the bulkhead. 0042. And let my eyes close, and the darkness flow up around me, and pull me down. When the darkness finally receded, the chrono said 1154. I blinked stupidly at it. In the dimness of my stateroom, it was the only focus. The numbers flipped to 11.55, and a couple of heartbeats later I heard Arletta close the door of her stateroom. I could hear her rummaging around. The numbers flipped to 11.56, and I heard her go into the head and run water in the sink. It was the running water that did it. I could have laid there, maybe drifted off again. But she ran the water. And I knew that I needed to get up traitorous bladder. Still, it wasn't urgent. Yet. Yawning and scratching, I rounded up fresh boxers and ship tea, retrieved the bag of Welkies from under my pillow and put them carefully back in the bottom of my graft trunk, then did the tug-pull-pull-tug-flip to my bunk. It wouldn't have passed muster at the academy, but it was fine for shipboard. I heard the water turn off and then a tap-tap on my door. Releasing the latch, I swung it open, just as another yawn grabbed me. Sorry, I said. I haven't woken up quite yet. She looked at me with a quizzical expression. You're just getting up. I nodded and blinked. My eyes were still a little blurry, and I needed to use the head. It's my 24, I said, in mild protest. I need my beauty sleep. She nodded sympathetically. I can understand that, she said. Mine's tomorrow, and I am so ready, you can't believe. Oh, I can believe it, I told her, and we aren't even halfway there yet. Oh, don't start counting now, she told me with a bitter chuckle. I know, I know, I held up my hand. When you're looking at a ten-week voyage, the last thing you need to be thinking about is how much longer there is to go. The trip was scheduled for 62 standard days. We'd been through something like ten. There was a long way to go yet. Too much to start thinking about. And speaking of a long way to go... She took the hint and, with a slightly embarrassed little smile, backed out into her own stateroom. Walk me to lunch, Spacer? She asked with a mock vamp expression on her face. Let me just get a shower and some clothes on. Sure, I said with a smile of my own. She grinned, spoiling the vamp look she had working, and closed the door to her side. It didn't take long for me to do the needful, including a fast shower and a shave. I slipped into my room and closed the head door behind me, latching it while I tossed on fresh clothing. Freddy was just finishing up something on her tablet when we stepped into the wardroom. She was already halfway through a cup of coffee and smiled a welcome as we stepped in. 
Hello, Freddy. What's new in cargo? I asked. She never talked about her work. Not surprising, I supposed, but if she were one of Captain Jagon's cadets, there had to be a story hiding there. She shrugged and said, It's all in the can. It was a cargo joke. All cargo jokes are like that. Doesn't this get boring, Freddy? Arletta asked gently. I mean, there's not a lot for you to do once we get that can strapped on, and even before. You don't get to pick the cargoes. You don't really get to do anything fun, do you? Oh, I don't know, she said. Perhaps now it's getting a bit more difficult. Being cargo chief on a bulk hauler isn't really all that taxing. These barbell designs like the Billy are made to take advantage of the regulation loopholes on ship length. I'm surprised they haven't made spherical ships, frankly, she added with a soft chuckle. Loophole? I asked. Normally, over 150 metric kilotons, you need a cargo chief and a cargo first. But about 20 stanniers ago, they put a loophole clause in the regulation that allows bulk haulers under 150 meters to get by with just a chief. Billy's only 140, so I'm the only member of the cargo division. Yes, but do you have any fun? Arletta asked again. Not as much as I used to, she said with a little sigh. But then, a few more trips and I can retire. I'm young yet, and I think I'd like to take up being a cargo broker. I tried to control the expression on my face. I don't know how well I did it. Freddy looked like the oldest spacer I'd ever seen. As I looked at her, though, I realized she wasn't really all that old. Just frail. I couldn't imagine her horsing an anti-grav pallet full of canned goods around, but then I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen a cargo officer horse a grab pallet full of anything around. That's why they had crew. "'What do you need to be a broker?' I asked. "'Contacts, mostly,' she said, and a sharp eye. Mel came in just then and smiled fondly at Freddy, talking about being a broker. "'Yes, and don't be an old poot,' she shot back with a fond smile of her own. "'They asked. I'm answering. That's all.' Mel winked at Arletta and me as she passed behind Freddy on the way to her chair. "'You don't need a license or anything?' I asked, in order to keep Freddy talking. "'It was the most animated I'd seen her since coming aboard.' She shook her head. "'No, you need to register and get bonded with the CPJCT, "'but that's really only to get your name on the broker registry. "'After that, you have to cultivate your contacts on the planet and with the shippers. "'Then trade and keep trading.' "'Penny Davies came in with the lunches then, and we all tucked in. "'It still wasn't as good as Cookie used to make, "'but as baked Muda went, it wasn't bad. "'Over coffee,' Mel said, "'so... I understand you're holding classes on the mess deck this afternoon, Ishmael. I looked up at her, and the surprise must have been on my face because she grinned. I am? I asked. Arletta contributed. That's what Ula told me, too. She said it with a lilt in her voice that made me suspicious that she was hiding a smirk behind her coffee cup. I sighed and asked, Did she say what time I'm supposed to be holding these classes? Mel answered, Fourteen hundred. I looked back and forth between them suspiciously. How is it you both happen to know this? Arletta shrugged. Well, Charlotte Dang told Ula that you'd be willing to hold classes on the mess deck. Wait, I said. She said what? Charlotte said that you had problems with people cluttering up the bridge while you were on watch, so you'd hold classes on the mess deck instead. Oh, I said. Freddie and Mel were doing the I'm-so-innocent face across the table at me. 
Freddy didn't concern me too much, but Mel was the officer in charge of the largest division on the ship. With propulsion, power, grav, and environmental, her division made up more than half of the ship's crew. What I said was, the bridge was a working space, and that when we were on watch, we shouldn't have the space filled up with people who weren't. I pointed out in what I hoped was a reasonable voice. Yes, Arletta agreed. And then you said you'd be willing to hold classes on the mess deck in the afternoons instead. I closed my eyes, trying to remember what I'd said exactly. I'm pretty sure I only agreed to answer questions for a little while, I said finally. That's hardly what I'd call holding classes. Freddy and Mel looked at each other and shrugged. I don't know, Freddy said. Sounds kind of like it to me, Mel finished for her. And how many people know about this little party? I asked, becoming concerned. Well, to be honest, I'd been concerned all along. It was just rising to the level of near panic by then. Arletta said, All of them, I think. She turned to Mel. Mel looked at the overhead as if considering a careful response. Yes, she agreed, after a couple of heartbeats. I think all of them. Well, only people on the ship, Freddy pointed out. Not everybody everywhere were... Talking local here. I chuckled. Thank you, Mr. Groot, for that clarification. I raised my cup in mock salute. She returned the salute with her own mug and said, Most welcome, Ishmael. Feel free to come to me any time. Well, I said, maybe no one will show up. All three of them laughed. Loudly. It wasn't a pretty sound. Thanks for listening to Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. The music is a medley of jigs, eavesdroppers, both meat and drink, and Off We Go by Great Big Sea from their self-titled debut album. Find this and other songs by Great Big Sea at music.podshow.com. This has been a presentation from Dorandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.solarclipper.com.